Sports. My guest tonight, he is the Baja boy. The goose is loose. Marcus the Mad Dog Howl. <laughs> And I'm your host, Larry the It is Monday, October 17th, 6.33 p.m., a rest day for our San Diego Padres because tomorrow they start the NLCS. Never thought they would be in the NLCS. We were talking about, you know, just we joked, oh, uh, Manny Machado would probably love to win this without Tatis. Uh, they all would love to win it without Tatis, and uh, you know they're in the final four. It's it's not impossible now. Yeah, they're they're close. They just need a couple things to go their way. Yeah, and some things have gone their way. What did, were you were you up watching the game on Saturday? Um, not all of it. Okay, I went to bed thinking they were going to lose, mm. so it was a nice surprise. Yeah, and then you woke up on like it was Christmas morning and ran downstairs. Exactly. <laughs> to read you the know, paper. Well, mom and dad had, you know, the ESPN stream all wrapped <laughs> up for me. <laughs> oh, what a Christmas morning. And uh yeah, well, oh, what an exciting seventh inning. That crowd was was lit, as the kids say. Um yeah, I was definitely. it was exciting to watch. Yeah. It was one of the it was a very exciting baseball watching experience. And um yeah, I mean this this team is a lot of them are coming alive. It looks like Soto's bat is starting to come alive. Yeah, there's a little bit of life there. I yeah. mean, you know, it'd be nice to see the actual like I guess power power, but even just what he's doing has been better than how he ended the season. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean if he comes back to his peak self, then they're the scary team to deal with. And Machado, he's been great in the playoffs. It was great all season. Totally carried this team. It's, you gotta, I feel so good, happy for him that this is all happening. He was the one guy who didn't contribute to that seventh inning, but like, who cares? The team was crushing it. And he, he had some big plays in the fields. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's about time. It felt, it felt sometimes like it was just like him and, the crone zone, basically. Yeah. He really so, did carry this team all year. Yeah. Um, so you could see his excitement. And, like, it seems like he's definitely the leader of the team. He was shirtless in the locker room afterwards, yes. spraying champagne. Uh, it looked like, looked like a fun time. <laughs> Who, whose name do you have on the back of your jersey? Uh, it's a Darvish one. Ah, very nice. And uh, I like it, you know? It's got the... Hot pink and hot green, the Baja flavor, as they call it. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, you know, I guess I knew 
what it looked like, but yeah. like, I guess just sort of seeing it in person and wearing it, you're still like, this is a really cool jersey. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love, I love a good city jersey when they do it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's- I don't think they they're gonna be wearing it during these playoffs. Teams generally no. don't, especially if they start winning in a different jersey. You're gonna keep that one. I th- yeah. I also feel like it's like, you know, sort of branding time for the MLB. And if everyone like is it just sort of random jerseys, yeah, then it's just like, you know, probably they want people to recognize the teams in the playoffs. Right. It's like, where's the piss and poop that I'm used to? Yeah, it's true. I came to watch the bathroom team. <laughs> the brown, the brown crown. Uh, the, yeah, I think the only team that I remember doing that recently is... Um, the Phoenix Suns, when they got to the finals, they wore their like their Valley jersey a lot. I oh, think. that's right, they did. But that's like at least mostly in the team colors. That's kind of I'm kind of wearing a Valley shirt. Oh yeah, that's true. I also like. I wonder if like you know they were like undefeated in these jerseys. I think there was, like, I think that's what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, San Diego. They split in L.A. and then they come home and win it. You know, a lot of people are saying that the, but this is like nothing new, that the baseball playoffs are crazy and that it's ridiculous that these teams that have won all these games in their regular season are out like the Braves, the Dodgers, the Mets, and like, whatever. How about, how about win your series? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, I guess, like, they did accumulate a lot of wins, but they played a shit ton of games. Like, the Dodgers still lost 50 times in the season. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I don't know. I think it's fun that, you know, they deserved the home field advantage, to be sure. But yeah. The fact that, like, baseball allows for just a team to get hot and make a run like this, like, it's fun. It is it makes fun. It fun. Yeah. And, and the as you said, they get that by, like... That's that's huge. That's a, that's a big advantage to those top two teams. Plus, in the AL, if the Yankees win tonight, then it, both the top two teams are going to be there. Yeah, it's it could be one and two in the AL and five and six in the. NL. Yeah, there was a year in maybe like 2010 or something in the NHL playoffs where the the Eastern Finals was seven versus eight. Wow, with like reseeding all the way through. It's pretty great. Um, but I, I did think that San Diego needed to close it out, um, on Saturday night. Like if they let the Dodgers back in it, I, I, I don't think they were going to win against the Dodgers the next night. No, not at all. I mean, I guess it was sort of even to me, I was like, I feel like Tyler Anderson's our best bet to get the offense going. He shut them down, but I was like, I don't want to face Urias yeah. again. Yeah, Urias was awesome. I thought, actually, after game one, seeing him pitch the way he did, I was like, oh, this, this series is over. Yeah. And their bullpen is great and was great in game one. Tyler Anderson, though, was great, has had a great year. I, you know, I'm, I'm generally pro-analytics, and I think they make sense in a lot of ways. Um... I, I got to say, though, I was happy to see Dave Roberts take Anderson out uh, after the sixth, after the fifth inning. Because he was, I mean, the Dodger, the Padres were not hitting against him. So he took them out. Um, and then in the sixth, Chris Martin came in. 
Yeah. Um, and then so I guess got used up. Uh and it just it just created this opportunity in the seventh inning that may not have happened if Tyler Anderson stayed in. It's hard to know. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like, you know, perhaps sometimes we get too number centric where it's mm-hmm. like, yes, like it's like okay, taking Tyler Anderson out here increases our chances of winning the game by 0.7% or some sort of number like that. But it's like, you know, to the manager point, like you also have to understand the people and where they're at and things mm-hmm. like that. And perhaps even still Dave Roberts made the right call, but yeah, you know. And I'm sure more no- times than not, it would have worked. But yeah, he was like, yeah. the, the Padres weren't doing anything against him. No. It, you know, they. it feels like they have had, like, those sort of soft toss guys who, like, have some sort of deception in them or something. Like, I feel like those guys have weirdly given the Padres, like, as much trouble as, like, you know, the hard-throwing, I guess, like, DeGromian type of pitcher mm-hmm. where it's like, this guy's a superstar. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. Like, this is completely, you know, just like, I guess, feeling more than I don't have any numbers to this, but like, it feels like they hit that guy more often than the like weird sort of fringy rotation guy who's just like painting the corner and kind of has a weird delivery. Hmm. That's interesting. And that's kind of, and that's kind of how Tyler Anderson pitched. Yeah. And then, yeah, so he's taken out early on, on the other hand, uh, I thought it was, I mean, our ace for those playoffs has definitely been Joe Musgrove. Yeah. And what a, what a, as they say, what a gutsy performance um, in game, in game four. He, you know, he, he, he went through the batting order three times, went six innings, uh, throwing like close to a hundred pitches. Didn't have his best stuff, but like kind of, was stayed in there, gave them the innings they needed, um, was able to just, like, kind of bear down and deliver those last few outs. Um, yeah. It, it was something. Yeah, it was interesting, too, because, like, I know he threw his fastball a lot more than he normally does um, in that game, but I was reading somewhere that, you know, a lot of – there's been, like, a lot of coverage, like, oh, the Dodgers are a great fastball-hitting team, mm-hmm. but, like – really their numbers are just sort of inflated because they have a great like batter's eye for the fastball. They don't chase it. But if you just pound the fastball in the zone, they actually don't hit them that well. So, yeah. So So, like, I wonder, I wondered a little bit, like I agree his breaking stuff didn't look great, but like there was, I think a strategic choice there too. To just keep pounding the fastball. Yeah. Right. Cause he was, I mean, he was throwing the fastball pretty hard against the Mets, but also, I get was he throwing more off-speed pitches against the Mets? He normally, yeah, he does, and he normally is like a pretty big pitch mix guy. Like he's not a fastball first guy, but is like, I think he threw it like almost twice as often against the Dodgers as he normally does. Oh, uh, that's interesting. And maybe yeah. Blake Snell did that too. Blake Snell was relying heavily on his fastball in Game Three. Although I gotta say. Blake Snell stunk, even though his, his result was good. Uh, I mean, much better than his outing against the Mets, but, like, I did not feel comfortable with him on the mound at all. No. I This is, like, a fantasy baseball thing, but, like, I owned him for, like, 
or I guess rostered him is the you correct terminology, <laughs> but um, he was on my team for a, a few years, even like on the rates. And like, mm-hmm. he's just like the guy who never makes you feel like he's yeah had, like, he's just like, he doesn't ever feel like he's got this. It's always feels like so precarious. Yeah. I guess the one time he was rolling was, it's interesting you say that because I was going to say the one time he was rolling was game six of the World Series. Um, even then, though, like the hit that he let up right before he was taken out in that game six against the Dodgers, um, like got hit pretty hard. Uh, so, you know, I, it was it was already like in everybody's head that like third time through the order, the Rays don't like to have their pitcher go. And yeah. he gives up a pretty solid hit. Like I, I, I was... At that moment, I thought, oh, maybe it is the right time to take out Blake Snell. Yeah. But we'll never know. Yeah, it's true. It's just like, you know, it stakes like that. Yeah. A a lot of people who are anti-analytics will cherry pick examples when it when it doesn't go right. Yeah. It it's like that weird thing where it's like, you know, with their making such marginal choices, it's like yeah, you know, this incrementally got us a win or two across 162 <laughs> games. Right. Like we, we went wrong plenty of times. Yeah, it's a be- it's it's much better for the regular season than for a short sample. Yeah. In the playoffs. Yeah, but he was not locating very well um mm-hmm. in in game 3 and uh yeah, I thought that like he was helped by just the Dodgers. I mean, maybe it was part strategy with pounding the fastball, as you said, but, like, yeah, the Dodgers just weren't hitting against, like, they were still cold. In game four, at least Freddie Freeman's bat started to wake up. Yeah. And, like, that's why I think game five, the Dodgers would have won. I think so, too. Especially with I Clevenger really, on the mound. I also think, like, there's, like, that just that emotional piece of it to lose in front of a crowd that is, like, that like adamantly supporting you to let them down and then go back to play this juggernaut in their home stadium. Like that's tough to get excited for. I mean, what an experience it must've been for that crowd in game four, just with that kind of rally where they batted around in the seventh and it's raining and they're all going crazy. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I'm sure it was so fun. I feel like that was like a, sort of a surprise to me like you know it's not like every Padres game was like empty seats but like mm-hmm. I've never really associated them with being like a raucous no and base I don't think that they're definitely not known for that I mean there's a yeah. reason why the Chargers left yeah absolutely so it was fun it was fun to see how behind them they got and I think like it helps too that like it is like a team with a lot of like personalities mm-hmm. and it's like it's sort of like weird and quirky which i think probably suits san diego pretty well mm-hmm. so it does yeah. it does seem like it has that like that magic feel that like you'll see on these playoff runs or these world series runs the quirkiness of the characters uh i mean how bad Manny Machado and the rest want it. And then you got like the goose thing, which I think at, when it first happened, the Dodger, because it was in Dodger stadium, the Dodger fans were like, Oh, it's our good luck charm. And then they didn't win. So then it became San Diego's thing. Yeah. Um, you have the goose, you got 
You got no Tatis, which is, I guess it's in a different set of circumstances, but it's similar to what was going on with Ron Acuna Jr. last year with the Braves win. Um, and then the, the way they like this team kind of galvanized with that like famous Bob Melvin speech in Arizona, where you laid into them. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 it's 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 got a lot of that fun factor going. Yeah, it's a great story. You know, I guess they're still they still got to win eight more games. They still got yeah, but they're just about halfway there, and it seems like everything's gone as well as you could hope it to like Dodgers Mm -hmm. and Mets. Those are tough teams. Yeah. Those are two, like two of the three best teams in the NL and they don't have to play the other of the three best teams in the NL. You also got the ears and now you got that faint, like people had a picture on their shirt of Joe Musgrove flicking his ear. What? Um, I mean, what, like what temperature do you like? your ears to be and what kind of cream do you use to, to, uh, control that? Um, Oh, that's a good question. I think I like my ears to be sort of, a uh, uh, very cool to mm-hmm. sort of offset if I'm feeling hot headed. So I'll put a sour cream on there. Fresh <laughs> out of the fridge. Yeah. That dairy, it'll like kind of cool things down. That's a yeah. good, that's a good tip. I should, if I'm feeling really warm, because my apartment gets warm, uh, maybe I'll put some sour cream on my ears. <laughs> it would be hilarious if a pitcher came out to the mound with sour cream dripping off his ears. That would probably be one of those things where the ump pulls him aside and expects him immediately. But, yeah. <laughs> Spanks him? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, it is funny. I was when that during that Met game, I was I did notice his ears, like, and I think apparently a lot of other people did, and were tweeting about it. Yeah. Um. Just say, I mean, they kind of stick out to begin with, and like they looked red and they looked like liquidy or oily, I guess. And I didn't. I didn't put anything together like, oh, that must be a foreign substance. I was just like, I, I don't know. All my head thought was, oh, his ears are weird looking. Yeah. Um, but apparently it was enough. Buck Showalter thought that too and decided to check him out. Uh, but that's awesome now. And they should. Um, it's another thing the San Diego fans could latch onto on this run. The pictures of him flicking his ears. Yeah. Hold up some ears. Um, oh yeah, it's Joe Musgrove. I mean, it it it's good for Joe Musgrove's brand. Yeah, absolutely. He needs to trademark having ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. He. I mean, he's he's been great though. Like, yeah, he's been so good, and like, he honestly, like, I know there's like, it's such a hard thing to measure, but he seems like a big game guy. Yeah. Like, he does. It's, it's just like, you know, whatever happens in this next series, the most important game, I think you want Musgrove pitching it. I think so, too. Um, so, I guess the way it's going to line up, um, he'll probably pitch game three. Yeah. Because you'll have Darvish, based on just the way the rotation lines up, you'll have Darvish, Snell, Musgrove. Um, but that's fine because it means he'll be available for game seven 
should there be a game seven? And if yeah. and if the Padres get passed without there being a game seven, he could line up for game one of the World Series. Right. Um, but that's getting way ahead of ourselves. But yeah, it would be Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, uh, Clevenger was pretty bad in his Clevenger was awful. I have seen some sort of like murmurs that maybe they should um, do Clevenger game two and Snell game four because Clevenger is so much better at Petco that Mm. you don't want him to go into Philly in that tiny little park and just get shelled when he's such a fly ball guy and I mean, the numbers do sort of support it. It's like, that's kind of interesting. I it mean, is interesting. Yeah. I um, think if if yeah. they won game one, I would be pro trying it. If they lose game one, it's like, let's just get the best guy out there. Yeah. And not yeah. lose two at home. It's a risky thing because just because of what it potentially does for game six. Right. And, um, yeah, you wouldn't want it, it would make it where Blake Snell only goes once, which may be good because I don't know. But I think we're due maybe for a good Blake Snell game and maybe due for a good Clevenger game. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're definitely talented guys. You yeah. know, I think for differing reasons, they, they have not done well the past couple of years. Clevenger injuries, Snell just really seems to have lost his control, whatever. Mm-hmm. He did that Cy Young year. He's just never been able to recapture that. <laughs> the fucking Rays. Anytime they trade yeah. somebody. It's true. It's so scary to get a Rays player. <laughs> Except for Cronenworth. You want that Crone yeah. zone. Crone that zone can't good, be yeah. tamed. <laughs> he really may be their second best playoff hitter so far. He's been very good. Yeah, he has. I mean, I guess I guess Grisham's like been their second no, that's best. True. But Grisham's like, been good too. I, I have more faith in Crone's own maintaining that going forward. Yeah. And then, like, uh, Ha-Sung Kim's been really good. Um, yeah, the bottom of that lineup got really hot, which was fun. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I mean, he he totally deserves the punishment, the suspension, Fernando Tatis Jr., but I do kind of feel bad for him if he's watching these games because – He's not part of it, and like they keep anytime like Hassan Kim does anything well, they'll mention him the being suspended. Is out. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad because he's so young. If he was yeah. like twenty-seven years old, I wouldn't have any sympathy at all. But like he's a kid, and like yeah, to like have this huge mistake and have like it being discussed nationally during the playoffs, yeah. like every game the Padres play, that has to suck. Like it's more consequence than most of us have to deal with when we do something stupid when we're like 23. Right. Right. Uh, and I think, I think in the interview, the post game interview, Manny was asked something about Tatis, not, not really, but like, you know, what is it? it some generic question. Like what was it like to galvanize after Tatis went out and he just gave like a kind of, generic answer to it but he probably in his head he's like fuck that guy i don't want to talk about him yeah it's like i feel like especially for manny who is sort of like i'm committing my last good years to this franchise and to have the other best player just fuck around and like Mm -hmm. possibly cost them a chance at a title it's tough especially with seeing what they're doing Mm. um but they should you know 
they'll at least be back in the playoff race next year. I, I, yeah. I would think. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, yeah, like if they miss the playoffs next year, it's a disappointing season for sure. Yeah. Uh, in that interview with David, David Ortiz was interviewing him and they were talking about the 305, which is the Miami area code. I've always found it so weird to like um, use your area code as like something you represent. It's like, oh, my phone number. I don't know. I guess that's because I'm maybe from a non-famous one, but it's and people like get tattoos of it, especially in the days of cell phones, which these kids are probably all using. And I don't know anybody's phone number. Yeah, it's true. It's such a weird thing to have like pride in. Yeah, like, exactly. And I don't know if it's like because as you said it, I'm like I don't know if they're like it happens because certain ones like actually just like sound cooler, yeah. or if people just start doing it and then you go, oh, that's a cool one. Like right, because like I'm from a 608, which to me sounds so lame. <laughs> but maybe if people had just been sort of saying it and shouting it out constantly, you would think it was cool. I just have no idea. Yeah, um, and and maybe it's also because we live in New York, where there are so many um, people from other cities. Yeah. So it's not like everybody you call is a nine one seven or a two one two. So it's just, it doesn't mean anything. I, I, it's the only time it's ever worked as like a cool thing to talk about. I guess this is cool. And um, I guess Ludacris's song about having hoes in different area codes. Like that made sense. It's like, this is my, I have a, a 619 booty call. I have a 305. I have a 608 perhaps. Yeah. yeah, it's true. You know, just wherever he goes in the country, including the 608. <laughs> Is six oh eight Milwaukee in that area code? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I do wonder if he mentioned six oh eight in that song. It would surprise me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really would, but perhaps, perhaps. Um, but speaking of six one nine, which is the San Diego area code, um, I don't know if you know this. Well, yeah, you never you lived in Sacramento, so I guess you didn't have right. a six one nine number. No. Um. But uh, the wrestler, Ray Mysterio Jr., um, is from San Diego, and his finishing move is called the 619. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of a ridiculous move. Um, let me see if I can find like a, a clip of that. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, Ray Mysterio is awesome, but it's kind of ridiculous because you need to... It looks very fake because, like, you need uh, – whoops. Why did that best? 619. Because you need um, your opponent to, like, fall against the ropes and just stay there, and then he, he like, swings his legs around. All right. This is going to be well worth that explanation. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Nickelodeon Ultra, friend of the pod. All right, wow. here we go. Oh, nice try to toe hold into the second rope. The 
See the way his opponent is now laying on the ropes. John Cena. It is John Cena. He's 619. <laughs> well, there you have it. And um, I, I don't think I've seen him mention the Padres in their run, uh, unfortunately. And um, I, I don't think I've seen anybody on the Padres like throw any other, uh, during the game, like put any Dodgers against any ropes and then swing their legs around and kick them in the face like that. No, that would have been cool. Yeah. I mean, maybe on the base path, right? Yeah. Just set up some ropes, make them lean against it. Yeah. Or what? I guess what you could do is if somebody's rounding second, you have ha Sung Kim kind of just like bent over in the base mm. path and then crone zone <laughs> runs around him. And then, like, swings his legs and kicks the base runner and like, Trey Turner in the face or something. Did they ever make, like, an MLB Blitz game? It feels <laughs> like they should have at least tried it. They should have tried it. I don't think they did. Uh, no, yeah. Maybe it's kind of complicated with baseball because it's, like, it, it's different type of game flow rather than all, all the time. It's true. And I guess with, like, hits and blitz, there's hitting to begin with. Yeah, you're not adding a new element. <laughs> but you got a bat. I don't know. Could do it. Um, yeah, but like Blitz and I, I played, yeah, I played those games a lot. Yeah. Did you Very play fun. NHL hits as well? Um, only in the arcade. Blitz, I had like the console one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I had both on console. Uh, Blitz, when, I remember first seeing Blitz in the arcade and it was just like, I was mesmerized. Yeah. So fun. I remember reading, I wish I could remember the guy's name, but it was like this Japanese game developer who didn't really understand football. But he, like, for the Super Nintendo or something, developed this like primordial version of NFL Blitz where, like, instead of like it just being a violent NFL game, when you got tackled, then you would enter like a Mortal Kombat style fight <laughs> against the guy who tackled you. And he could, like, punch you back and make you lose all the yards you gained <laughs> and he was like you know maybe we just didn't understand football but like people wanted to keep their yards so they would get pissed. <laughs> you could steal somebody's yards yeah uh i don't know that game but it sounds great yeah i've never played it either but that story really stuck with me is it it's not i know there was like cyberborg football Ooh, i just don't know yeah i don't think it was that i should i should look up the interview again if i want to keep referencing this interview yeah make sure next time you're on the show yeah <laughs> okay so what, what do you think about the matchup with with the phils the philadelphia philadelphians i mean just purely in terms of talent, I like it much better than when they mm -hmm. were playing the Mets or the Dodgers, you know, but the other side of it is it's scary when a team gets hot and right. they have good players. I think, you know, 
pitching wise, I would take the Padres pitching. Hitting wise, probably the Phillies hitters. Mm-hmm. I think you know if you're just looking at like how the playoffs generally play out, I think that means advantage Padres. Like yeah, just in any given game, a good pitcher can shut down any lineup. So I I like the matchup, but. You know, I certainly don't think it's like, oh, this will be easy. Like they're a good team. Yeah, and and the Phillies, their bats are I, their offense. I think is legitimately good. Unlike the Padres, which yeah. is like, like the Padres have leaned a lot on Grisham and Profar, and Kim, who are okay hitters, but but it's it it's it's not like Schwarber and Real Muto and those guys. No. But if Soto is coming back, that kind of changes things. Yeah, it at least gives them like a like it's not surprising if that offense scores a lot of runs. Like yeah. right now, you're like, oh, holy shit, they got five runs. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kim, uh, Kim's been crushing it. Uh, yeah. He had a great RBI double in that seventh inning to really get that rally going. Um, who who do you, who's going to be starting for the Phillies in? or projected starters for the first three or four games? Um, I think it's Wheeler, mm-hmm. Nola, and then Ranger Suarez. Like, they really fall off in terms of no, starters. Not Cindergaard as their third guy? Oh, wait, you're right. It might be Cindergaard. Yeah. Yeah. Wheeler's, I mean, Wheeler's been good this whole year, right? Wheeler's good. Nola's been really good. Yeah. The Nola brothers against each other. Yeah, that's fun. Um. I mean, Cindergaard is okay. Seems kind of like in that Clevenger zone of just a shell of what was a very good pitcher. Right. Also uh, missed like <laughs> missed a full season or two. Yeah. For different reasons, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like our top three pitchers. I guess even our top four better than their top four. Yeah. And our bullpen has had its ups and downs, but right now I think everyone's pretty hot. I yeah, like right the now the bullpen's been great. I think the only guys I trust, I, I do trust Hader now, actually. Yeah, even though he, he looks good. He looks like he's back to his peak form, and Suarez has been really good. Suarez has been really good, yeah. Um, um, and I guess Nick Martinez I trust. Yeah, he's like... For, like, the role he plays, like, that sixth inning or, like, we're getting blown out, eat some innings guy, like, I think he's pretty good. Um, yeah, it it's not a bad – it was never a bad bullpen, but, like, they're hot right now, which right. makes me feel better about them. Right, right, right. Um, but, yeah, the starting pitching is really the strength of, yeah. of this team. So, yeah, that'll be fun starting tomorrow as well as the NBA season starting tomorrow. It's a great, great time. Yeah. Big day. Great day. Um, and then ALCS. Well, first tonight, uh, game five at Yankee stadium. Um, I guess it's too late for me to go there. That's starting yeah. about now. Um, I, I, th- I think the Yankees are going to win tonight, but it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't. Yeah, they seem almost like they're entering sort of that weird Metsian territory where they like lose games they shouldn't. Or I guess maybe even the Dodgers is a better comp. Yeah, where it's just like, how is this team losing these playoff series? It just they doesn't never make any did sense. Before. Yeah, 
I mean, well, last year they they weren't a great team. Their offense really sucked last year, yeah. besides for Judge and Stanton. Um, and that's sort of the deal this year. I guess Rizzo's kind of good. Um, Bader. LeMahieu was better. What's that? LeMahieu was better than at least he was last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Uh, uh, but, yeah. And, um, yeah, Garrett Cole gave him two good games in the series. Yeah. So, can't be upset about that. Their bullpen, though, is pretty bad. The Yankee yeah. bullpen. Yeah, it's still like, I don't think they should lose to that Cleveland team, which is fun, but sort of weird and pretty flawed. Yeah. But I also like, yeah, you know, the Astros are so far ahead of any other team in the AL, it feels like. I agree. I I think they, I mean, the Dodgers had the best record this year, but the Astros, I think they're just up and down the most complete team. Yeah. I mean, I guess the Dodgers, their their pitching staff is fantastic, but they're they're gone. So yeah, I mean, Houston has to be the overwhelming favorite at this point to win the World yeah. Series. The okay, Yankees, Cleveland uh, is like so everybody boos Miles Straw when he comes up against the Yankees because he uh, so the game some game earlier in the season when uh, fans were like uh, um, Quan had a catch in the outfields, like right, like right up against the wall. And then some fans started like yelling some racist shit at him. I think, it was, I think that's what happened. And then straw came over and they started throwing shit and straw came over to defend him. And then even like at some point, like judge and Stanton had to come out of the dugout and tell the fans to stop. So, Pretty clearly an awful event by those fans. And then uh, after the game, Straw said something like, the, the the Yankees have the worst fan, the most awful fans. Everybody knows it. And that's why they boomed for saying that. I, <laughs> I would not feel good booing him. No. Um, and this Yankee fan should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, maybe he's... It's not true that they are the worst fans in baseball, but it's like he talked shit about you after you said something racist. And you're like, your response is, boo, how dare you call us racist? How dare you say anything bad about us? Yeah, you think they just want to move on? I think you would want to move on and like not draw attention to that situation. Yeah, because it's just like every time it happens, it's like, wait, why do they boo him? Yeah, again? you have to yeah. remind <laughs> yourselves what preceded this booing, and like, I'm on, I'm on the side of uh, not the group that yelled racist shit at Quan. Do yeah. you re- do you remember this incident now that I'm describing it? Yeah, now that you said it, yeah. it also reminded me. I was at the the game after the Tim Anderson Josh Donaldson thing happened. Ah. Um, and I remember they booed Tim Anderson. And again, I was just like, I don't think we need to do this. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah. That's interesting. That was, a, that was a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I could totally see Donaldson's thing. So we, we talked about how it was interesting how like Tony Larusa stuck up for his player, which is great. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah. 
I don't know if he if Tony LaRusso is like say a supporter of Black Lives Matter. No, probably <laughs> probably not. Ah, uh, okay. So, yeah, I, I think I I, I kind of do hope the Yankees win just because I think it'd be it'd be kind of great. It'd be great to have a Yankees Astros series. Yeah, I mean, very selfishly, I like am hoping for a Padres Yankees World Series so I can go to a game. Mm, that's very true. Yeah, but. I know that's not the most likely outcome. It's 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 more likely it's more likely they'll play in Yankee Stadium if that happens than if Cleveland wins. Yes, that is very true. Yes, got to think of that. Um, so, uh, with the NBA season starting tomorrow, do you what do you think? Do you think the Kings will make the playoffs? I'm gonna say that they are the last team to make the play in and then they get eliminated. Okay. That's exactly the outcome you want in a year where there's a great draft. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what you're aiming for. That's why you trade quality young assets is so you can just barely make the play in. I do agree that they'll make the play in. I think they'll be decent. Um, I, I'm afraid that that's kind of the outcome the, the Knicks will have this year as well. Um, I think they'll be a, I think they will be a play in team. Um, best case scenario is they're like a seven seed. Worst case scenario, worst case scenario is like they they get a nine. You know they're the nine or ten seed based on like grinding out these in Tibbs style grinding out wins and like playing their veterans. Um, but if like if they played the kids and the kids played really well and because of that they got into the playoffs, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing is like, you know, these young players who like, aside from like maybe Barrett, no one sees as like, you know, a major player on a championship team. Right. But like if they overachieve and the team, you know, is like a six seed or something like that's fun. Yeah. And and then it means actually these players that would be that would indicate that these players are actually good. Yeah. Yeah. I do hope. um well, it, I'm excited that the season's starting, so it's no more like talking about whether Tibbs will do the right. I mean, there will still be talking about whether Tibbs did the right stuff, but it's at least we'll have real games. And yeah. I, um, I just hope I hope the the front office has the standing and the flexibility that if if the Knicks start off something like six and ten, six and six and thirteen, or something like that then they could pivot towards um, maybe getting rid of the coach. Uh, I was just about to ask you, like, what's the best record you think they could have after 20 games and Tibbs stays? Um, I mean, I think if they're like, if they're nine and 11, Tibbs would stay mm-hmm. even eight and 12, seven, even seven and 13. <laughs> Six and fourteen. Six and fourteen feels different. That's the cutoff. Yeah, six and fourteen. Tibbs got to go. Yeah, that's fair. All right, and um, of course we'll be paying attention to Frank Nilakino's minutes all year. Sit, tell your friend Frankie hello. I will do. Yep. Um, <laughs> Are yeah, you in the, the saxophone box right now? 
yeah, he it keeps me in the saxophone box. He, he leaves you a laptop in there. Yeah, it actually gets pretty good Wi-Fi. You'd hmm. be surprised. That's that's good to know. Yeah. Anything you'd like to plug? Um, things to plug as always: thearmorycomedy.com, mm-hmm. um, improv on Saturdays, sketch sometimes on Tuesdays. You can find it all on the website and. Uh, look at my Goodread reviews. <laughs> follow follow Marcus Haugen on Goodread and follow me on Goodread and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. And subscribe to Larry Knows Sports wherever you get your podcasts. May all your dreams be hoop dreams and may the rest of your days be days of thunder. Thunder.